Hello, you're listening to Fear and Loathing, a transatlantic quest across a divided political landscape. We're Squint, a group of theatre makers on the road following the final weeks of the 2016 US presidential election. We're trying to understand what change people need in their lives and why so many have stopped putting their trust in established politicians. As we travel from state to state, we're podcasting our conversations. For this episode, we've come to Colorado. In the run-up to and immediate aftermath of Brexit, people in schools, offices and living rooms across the UK found themselves on two sides of a massive political divide. In fact, one of my main reasons for wanting to have these conversations with people across the political spectrum was to try and resolve some of the tension between me and my dad that was created by Brexit. During this equally divisive election, we've come to Colorado Springs, the fourth most conservative city in the US, to see whether a similar thing is happening here. To what extent are people sharing and debating their political views? When should politics be left at the door? And where are the local forums for conversation in a divided America? It's taken me almost 20 years. We've lived here 25, so it's taken me maybe under 20 years or so to make my Democratic friends. A guy, a gentleman, and I started talking, and the conversation lasted two minutes. And by the end of the two minutes, when politics were introduced, and, and I said I was supporting Hillary, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> he started on his diatribe, and then I, then I argued, and he grabbed me. I don't think it's our right to tell either, you know, people which way to vote or who to vote for, but I do think um, maybe those who are challenged, uh, if they are in the church but aren't voting biblically, they might be challenged with being challenged. <laughs> Mark and I talked about, are we going to put signs in our yard this year? Are we going to put bumper stickers on our cars? Because things were so nasty all over. He was born in the summer of his 27th year Coming home to a place he'd never been before He left yesterday behind him You might say he was born again You might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountains His life was far away on the road hanging by a song but the strings already broken and he doesn't really care it keeps changing fast and it don't last for long with the colorado rocky mountain high i've seen it In the final debate, Trump's response to the issue of late-term abortion was seen by some as an appeal to the religious vote. It's Sunday morning, and we've come to one of the biggest evangelical churches in Colorado Springs for morning service. Mike Pence visited here a couple of weeks ago. So how do churchgoers here, who traditionally vote Republican, reconcile their religious beliefs with a renegade like Trump? We went for lunch with a member of the pastoral staff to find out. I used to be kind of have more of a stance of keeping politics out of the church, um, but seeing the where our 
how our nation is going. Um, I think it's becoming more and more important. I don't support the sexual assault pieces, I mean, at all. Um, so that's where I think so many people are wrestling, especially the evangelicals wrestling with what it, how do we vote? Who are they surrounding themselves with? Um, I know Hillary has surrounded herself with a vice president that claims to have some kind of religious background, but yet he leads differently or, you know what I mean? So, and actually hearing Governor Pence, I feel like I know where he stands spiritually and what he would stand for. And if that kind of man is influencing Trump, then I, I can at least vote for that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you'd say, like, these are the top three issues on the platform that I know are supported by the Bible, that like are the ones that I really focus on when I vote. Mm -hmm. What would those issues be? Abortion is pretty clear. Uh, Same-sex marriage and marriage is really clear. Um, our religious freedoms, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. So for me, I'm going to vote according to a biblical worldview. What does God say about human beings and the value of life? Um, what does God say about marriage? What does God say about, um, uh, you know, our religious freedoms? What does God say is best about, you know, our borders and, and wanting to be a free country and this being a place where people can come, but at the same time, we've got to be safe. We can't just let any and everybody coming, coming in as far as terrorists goes. So I don't just vote Republican, check, check, check. I'm going to vote who who is going to align with these views. And is it going to be biblical? Is it more about preservation um, of the rights of religion, or is it about be more more being progressive with the rights of religion uh, for you? I think it would be more preservation. I'd like to see things be preserved according to what what we were founded on, you know. But we're we're just going more and more away from that. In many states, evangelical voter turnout has been in decline over the past twelve years. This church believe it's essential that their congregants turn out in this election to protect their religious freedoms. So how does this church help congregants make up their minds? And the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. And so I know for many of us that are followers of Jesus, this election has been difficult. I know for me, one of the things I look for in leaders is godly character. And it has been argued that neither one of our candidates really display that. And so I want to do what we can to help out folks in this congregation. So in some way, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be providing links that you can go to that help explain where the candidates stand on the issues. And then you can come to your judgment and your decision on who you should vote for. When I came out of the 8 o'clock service having said that, I met somebody out in the corridor and they were quite upset. They said, I hate it when churches get all political. And so I talked to the lady a little bit and I appreciated her heart. And then I went down the hall and saw some man in the foyer who said, I didn't say nearly enough about what should be said about an election and about politics. So I don't think you can win on this issue. I think it's a total loser, but I feel like I have an obligation. I feel like pastors have an obligation to help direct us in a biblical way. And so that's why I share that. It was new to me to hear a pastor you know, do what he just did, you know, not say one side or the other, but encourage people to vote biblically. Um, and it 
it got me more aware of politics even more so and think I really I really need to think this through I'm being challenged with Trump you know just the idea of Trump and that's that's hard but I should be I should wrestle with it it's a good thing to wrestle with what you believe in I think we are where we're at because pastors aren't doing that because they're too afraid of what people will think or they're too afraid that people will leave their congregation um, and the numbers will go down or whatever and I could be wrong but I think that that is a fear do you think it's a possible it's possible that a member of the congregation could look at some of those links that they're being sent to mm -hmm. and decide that whilst Republican policy is more biblical mm -hmm. that actually Clinton in her character and her worldview is more biblical sure I can yep I, I, I know people who are wrestling with that is there anyone you know who actively has made it their uh, outlook on politics that they will always separate um, their biblical views from it but who would claim to be a Christian I don't actually I don't I'm, I'm sure there are people out there but I think a wholehearted follower of Jesus would would want to vote biblically and if they don't you know where where are they in their relationship with Jesus I don't know Ringed by five military bases with a church on every block, Colorado Springs is a bastion of conservatism in an increasingly liberal state. In some ways, that makes the conservatives here even more red. Democrats are in the minority. So what does that feel like? Debbie and Scott invited us for dinner and shared with us how their political views have evolved over the years. Scott's father was a Republican official. He shares how his roommates and friends in college in the 1970s turned him from Republican to activist Democrat. We had all this really cool stuff in an entryway to our house, like bumper stickers and buttons and all this swag that we don't see quite as much anymore. But, um, so I grew up, uh, I went up to Drake University, I was a young Republican, but that was only because of a girl. There was a girl that I was interested in dating and she invited me to be a young Republican and we walked the streets, walked, uh, knocked on doors a couple times for Nixon. My transition came a little bit later um, in 1970, in early May, when the students were killed at Kent State for protesting. And I just flipped, a, sort of, okay about the war, beating the commies, to totally anti-war. It came from a conservative world and I was being transitioned into this world of students of the 60s. And so that was really impactful too because it was seeing all the different people, not just the dirty hippies that the conservatives had been labeling the, the, the peace activists against the Vietnam War. And, and then you were you had decided you were against the war, and then you got drafted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when oh, I met yeah. him, can I interject just to kind of... When Scott and I met, he was already out of... Had already served the two years and was... Maybe we, he'd been out a year or two. I can't remember exactly what the timing of that before we met. So... I want to say something kind of personal, so I hope you don't mind me telling. But he still would have dreams about being 
in the, in the army and still the conflict, really strong conflict dreams, um, personal conflict, not fighting types of things of having served. Debbie notes that she's spotted a lot less campaigning for both candidates in Colorado Springs this election. I've not seen anybody, not, you know, not seen very many people doing that. So I'm wondering if everybody's kind of feeling like we are of, you know what, let's just not entice anybody. Let's not take a chance that you might get cut off sharply in traffic and have an accident. Somebody with the worst case scenario, somebody pulled a gun because they were road rage kind of thing, but you had that Clinton bumper sticker on your car. I mean, those are the, truly the kinds of things that have run through my mind of, is it really safe to speak out, to show who I want to support? There aren't Trump signs. There aren't Trump button, bu buttons and there aren't Trump bu bumper stickers. I don't know if it's that way anywhere else. Are you finding else. that all over the country? What are you There's finding? less here than a lot of other places yeah. we've been to. Yeah. Which you would think in El Paso yeah. County, which yeah. is our county, which is the most conservative county in the state. Absolutely the most conservative. And and we're not seeing rare, hardly any place. We're not seeing a lot of Hillary signs either, but... And I don't want to it's, say I live in fear because I don't live in fear, but I have made choices based on keeping myself safe. We put up signs, we put up Obama signs at our office, you know, in 2008, which has really taken a stand as a business and mm -hmm. putting those out on a busy street. I would never put up Clinton, Hillary signs <laughs> in my office now, never, because I think the place would be vandalized. So is this because people fear showing their political stripes publicly? Or is it because voters feel less passionate about their respective candidates? Oh, I, I don't have my glasses on and I can't. <laughs> I know, it's just a, wait, is that the right, what does it say? Thank you for helping us Bernie's. secure a Democratic presidential <laughs> victory in November and a better future for America. Yeah, I don't know who that was actually from. With our last few hours in Colorado Springs, we speak to two of the most passionate Democrats in the area. I'm the local lead for a group called Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. But really, honestly, I'm a low-level volunteer. I'm not any. I'm not anything special. I'm not. I don't donate a lot of money, mm -hmm. but I do a lot of work. They both campaigned for the Democrats in 08 and in 2012, and they're both supporting Hillary this year. Well, I have an interesting thing, to, and you can find it on YouTube, <laughs> and I sort of like to have it out there because my grandkids are pretty proud of me, but I recorded um, a girl only registering Romney supporters. Yeah, hi. Right, so I am polling people, but would you vote for Romney or Obama? Well, wait, I thought you were registering voters a minute ago. I am. Okay. I am, but and who are you registering? All voters? Well, I'm actually trying to register people for a particular party uh -huh. because we're, we're out here in support of Romney, actually. And, who, and who's paying you for this? Oh, um, the, let me see, we're working for the county clerk's office. Okay, and you so cannot come out here and register one party, lady. If you, are you working for the county clerk's office? I got it all on oh. tape. You're working for the county clerk's office? I believe so, yes. And you're only registering Republicans? Nope. You said we're only registering Romney people. Well, we're trying to, to be honest. And you're working for the county's office? What's your name? Man, my name is Thanks. That's all, all right, I need, then. honey bunch. It stopped voting early, early registration of voters in six states. My little video, anonymous. The night it came out on, it was on Ed Schultz show and Wolf Blitzer and 
Rachel Maddow show, which are, are MSNBC stations mm-hmm. and CNN. And they never, in fact, a lady came into the office and said, who did that video? And I said, I don't know, <laughs> but everybody wants to know. <laughs> I mean, you wanted to stay anonymous because you feared for your safety, Well, right? once you read all the comments, and it was almost a half a million um, hits on it, once you read all the comments, there were, there were threats. Right, well, uh, we live in a conservative town. Yeah, you, I'm so glad you remind me because I walked by precinct this week and I keep going, okay, don't expect much, you know, do not expect them to be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, I ended up, well, it doesn't matter, I ended up with a divorce. Anyway, I have a boyfriend now in my old age, right? I never thought that would happen, but he's a military conservative Republican and we just don't talk about it because we end up fighting. Mm. So we just don't talk about it. I think Isn't he's, she's, I think he's bowing now and I think, I okay. think that I have, I go, like to believe, my ego likes to believe that I've influenced him a little bit. Because I say, John, look, why don't you read, why don't you investigate this? Instead of just listening to the TV sound bites, you know, Google it. Unless you have time, you're not going to change their mind. You can't do it in two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes, even an hour maybe. It, this takes time to change if you want, if that's your goal, to change somebody's perspective. Yeah. So do you have any friends that you know are voting for Trump? <laughs> Um, yeah, Jody, my friend Jody, she's on, oh, she? uh, she's on yeah. Facebook all the time, denigrating mm-hmm. Hillary. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I, I have people. I know that Bernie are, people that aren't gonna vote. And Andy. Oh, Andy. Andy yeah, Andy. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't talk yeah. to many of them to be honest with you, yeah. because we just end up in fights, and that the, the, you know it's a spitting contest. Then, you know, nobody listens to anybody else. It's just a spitting contest, and so you just kind of unless it's you, funny, nobody's admitting it. That's such a good question. Do I have any friends that are voting for Trump? I think all my Republican friends are, but I have not had it verbally confirmed. I've had people on Facebook come back and say, um, oh, he's not my candidate, or I'm not. Oh, here's another one. I love this one. I'm a registered independent. So I write them back on Facebook. So you didn't participate in the primaries or the caucuses. So, you know, you have this great democratic system. You could participate and have a voice, and you passed it up. Why? You know, you could have had a better candidate because you're so right-wing. You could have had somebody, but no. The inmates are running away with this, with the Republican Party right now. They think that the Republicans own Christianity. Again, I have to say that because they think they invented it here. And if you aren't a Christian, then you, or if you're not a Republican, you can't be a Christian. We're church attending, but really, lately we haven't been to church because it's a little too hard. It just seems like everybody's a Republican, and I just can't get comfortable. This guy, Kent Lambert, ran against Michael Merrifield in another district. He couldn't get elected, so what did he do? He moved right here in my neighborhood on my street so that he could get elected because all you have to do is have an R after your name and you get elected. And it's the ugliest house on the, lo- on the <laughs> block, but by God, he's got an R after his name. So we're gonna elect him. So I was walking down the street oh, a couple years ago doing my precinct stuff and he came out and, and so I went across, he was new and I didn't give him my literature. I didn't have that side of the street on my precinct. It wasn't in my precinct then. But it is now. So anyway, then I went across to him. I said, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. And he got right in my face. Kent Lambert is his name. And he said, 
why are you a Democrat or a liberal, something like that? And so I thought, <laughs> so I said, why are you a Republican? Because I, I didn't, I'm under no obligation to answer this ass getting in my face. And he said, well, um, integrity and honesty. And I just went off on that guy. I said, you have just insulted three generations of my family. And I have a relative who signed the Declaration of Independence. And on and on like this. And then I said, you condescending, arrogant bastard. Turn around and walk into your house. And he didn't. And I said it one more time, every word, word for word. And he did. We drive an hour north to the state capital, Denver, and here we meet Charter. As a non-Hillary supporter, he's in the minority here. So I live in the Lower Highlands, um, which is kind of an up-and-coming, I guess you'd call it hipster neighborhood. It's actually the neighborhood my grandpa grew up in. It's definitely changed from what it was. Definitely um, like a liberal hotspot. They're going to vote Democrat. So if I take that political compass test online, I don't know if you've taken that, I come out smack dab in the center. Um, so had I taken that when I was growing up, I probably would have come out sort of like the upper right quadrant. When I took it in college, I was like on the, the horizontal axis, pretty far to the left. So kind of swung all over the place. Oh, and this, ele this election is tough. Um, I'm actually somewhere in between a Gary Johnson and a Trump. It's like, yeah, we're going to talk about immigration. I might be crass about it. I might even come across as a racist. You know, he said some things that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have. But it got people talking about it. You know, and like, I'm not totally opposed to immigration, but I think we kind of need to blow up the system and start over. You know, have like a points-based system like they do in Australia. So it grows the overall economy by a little bit, a tiny bit but it actually transfers wealth from the bottom and middle classes to the upper class. So like when I moved from Seattle to Idaho, I did have my, you know, liberalized Seattle way of, of viewing the world and like that's the mo one of the most conservative states in the country is Idaho. And so kind of what I learned there was that, you know, these conservatives aren't crazy, they're not stupid, they just have a different perspective on life. And part of me living there was figuring out, okay, why do they have these views and why do they think this way? I was radically against hunting when I was from Seattle. Um, and then moving out to Idaho where you know, everybody hunts and my roommates hunted, you know, I come to find out, you know, they're not just going out in the woods and shooting things. Like, my roommate would go out once a year, hunt an elk, and he would clean it up chop it up, put it in his chest freezer, and that was his meat for the year. Like, one of the things that's kind of pushed me more towards the right lately um, is just the observations. So, like, being in Mormontown, uh, outside of Salt Lake, seeing how people live their lives, like, the, the cultural process of what they do. Um, you know, everybody gets married young and has kids, and they do really well. Something about that formula is working really well. Specifically in Utah, they have the highest economic mobility of anywhere except for like the San Jose area. Uh, in college, I got sent out to this um, anti-nuclear activist conference in New Mexico, I think outside the bomb, you know, because I was kind of into that stuff. And then I, that's, when I was around those kind of people and just seeing how narrow-minded they were, 
Um, I remember we had some food there, there were bananas. And I made some joke about how you get more radiation from a banana than you do almost anything else in your life. And the looks I got, like, how, how dare you say something like that? There was a, a scientist speaker, and he wasn't 100% aligned with their ideology. Like, all nuclear is bad 100% of the time. And they just weren't receptive to him. So that, you know, that kind of made me wonder about a lot of the other progressive movements. And I can, you know, start to see a lot of those flaws in their ways of thinking. We've heard so many voices who have spoken about holding on to the political ideals that they forged in their early 20s. But Charter is someone who's continued to evolve through the experience of changing geographies. Perhaps this is a means of building much needed bridges between political divides. Polarised opinions are causing increased tension between different ideological camps here in Colorado Springs. This could lead to useful conversation and debate, but from the people we've spoken to, it's causing isolationism. So what does this lead to? It strikes us that only talking to people who share similar opinion creates an echo chamber, and that prohibits people's ability to challenge or empathise with opposing views. Like with Brexit, this is leading to a kind of tribalism here in America, which as we've seen has at times boiled over into violence and confrontation at candidates' rallies. Or perhaps rather than this being the effect of the candidates, it's the cause. People are trying to eschew confrontation and retreating into silence, which has left a void that's been filled by extreme voices in this election cycle. You can keep following our journey on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Squint Theatre. Thanks for listening.